G'day fans. Before we get into reviewing Brew's 80th anniversary special, Dan, Jermaine and myself thought that it might be fun to record our first impressions of the issue as soon as we opened it. So, to begin the show, here are our three reactions, raw and unedited, for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. Okay, g'day everyone. I've just purchased the, the 80th anniversary special. I'm just sitting here at my desk at work and I'm waiting eagerly to, to open her up and, and see, what, see what we've got. So here's a, a, a live opening for all the listeners here on, on X-Band, on the Chronicle Chamber. I'm a little bit too eager. I'll, there we go. And it looks fantastic, just even in the package. Oh, what's that? So dropping out, we've got the Phantoms Gallery Series 2 card, which was uh, promised to us in one of the uh, Facebook updates. So like a little advertisement here for a new 110-card trading card series coming at Christmas time with an artwork there by, by um, our mate Nolan. And there's a bit of... Uh, and there's a, um, a write-up on the back of that. I won't spend too much time on that at the moment. Let's have... Also included in the um, in the package, there's the 80th anniversary extra, a decade by, a decade by decade by Barry Stubberfield. Some nice artwork on the front there. Oh, that's good. So page by page goes 930s and 40s. Artwork there from a few uh, choice stories up to the 60s, and you can see the difference in the artwork. And we can see, ooh, uh, Queen Samara shocks the Phantom with her proposal of marriage. And um, there's some eyes being, um, eyes are sighted um, underneath the mask. 70s and 80s, get a page each. 90s is a two-page spread. Bit of um, President Luaga getting some action there, which is good for him. The 2000s, and we see some of the, um, the latter stories, so... It looks mainly um, to deal with, um, well, the artwork's definitely newspaper strip artwork. Um, so just, that's just a quick flick. I haven't really looked at, um, I haven't read it at all. But it looks like um, they've gone the, gone the newspaper route, so uh, from Falk through to, um, to the modern guys. Um, I can't see much there from Egmont at the moment. But... Um, I look forward to reading that. So that's a um, that's an 18-page write-up of the history of the Phantom, the strip. Now, but here's the big thing: we have the 80th anniversary special with a cover. Oh, feel that! The Phantom is ripped. Eh? Go out and get a body like that. Rub your thumb over over that. So we've got the Phantom there on the embossed cover, eight promising eight decades, eight stories, eight countries, including seven foreign story, foreign Phantom stories. Published for the first time in English. We had our usual message from the publisher there. And that's a nice big one there from Dudley. I won't go through the whole thing there. We, oh, we've got coloured on the first page, on the contents page. All the, um, the covers from the, um, from the original stories are all in colour. Around the world in 80 years. So we've got a, a write-up there, and that's all in colour. That's, ooh, can hear the excitement in my voice. And our first story, the nuclear terror. Is that the um? Like, that's not. Oh wow! Awesome. We got a purple phantom. We're looking good here. Not. Oh, brilliant. 
I want to take a sickie now and just read this. There's our, oh, there's our fandom competition. We'll get into that. Congratulations to Fru on the, this milestone issue. Oh, the fandom's even giving the um, congrats to, to Fru on that one. Awesome. Colouring competition, 2016. It's all here. So it's like a, um, a cover. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, I've already reached the four-minute mark, and I promise I'd only do two, so I'll do a quick flick. You can see some nice, bold artwork here. There's the Sydney story. I'll just click, and I saw the German red. Where'd that go? So, yep, the German red. So if you've never read a German comic before, every, instead of using greys, they tend to use red. So it's white, black outline, and, and, and red. And we've got another colour story at the end. That looks like it's done in watercolour. Excellent. Well, on first impressions there, Fru, I reckon you've done a tip-top job. And um, I'm really looking forward to... to Hydra? What's he got Hydra in the thing? We've got a Captain America reference there. Um, I'm looking forward to, to getting this home and giving it a, the, a good read. There's, no, there's a few colour stories here, so... Hope everyone gets to enjoy that. Um, so there's my first impressions of the Phantom. Um, I look forward to, to reviewing this on, on X-Band uh, shortly. Cheers. Bye. Okay, so this is Dan recording my two minutes on initial impressions or first impressions of the Phantom 80th. And I'm probably only going to count this as starting from the moment I rip open the cover. And I'm opening the plastic now. Very excited to see what this looks like. So I'm taking out the. Oh, this is harder than I thought. Okay, taking out the 80th at the extra by Barry Stubbersfield. Very thin. Looks a bit like the encyclopedia that was produced. Lots of cool images from uh, McCoy and Ray Moore by the looks. And uh, 90s. So it's done by the decades. This looks pretty cool. Lists who the authors are. Uh, and the artists prominent in that decade by the looks of that so I am looking forward to the long read of getting to that one but now to get into the main comic itself hang on what's this in the bottom of the bag is a card that's pretty cool I've seen that on Facebook though so I'm not going to bother looking at that too much now looking at the comic I like the feel of the cover that's awesome with the embossing and to flick through the comic oh it's pretty cool it is actually pretty cool to see some colour in there I'm not a massive colour fan but to see a bit of colour there is, is pretty cool so that cartoon looks good not going to read Dudley's message from the publisher because I've learnt my lesson about that contents and colour a little bit of spill at the start some red phantom which is interesting okay brief description of each of the stories and then the colour the first story colouring competition, that looks pretty cool congratulations to Fru on this milestone, that's nice that's nice, there's the Phantom merchandise pack, that looks pretty cool, I have many of those things already, colour at the back as well oh there's the red Phantom in the uh, German, awesome Zigamar, I've heard a lot about that people raving about that so I cannot wait to get in and read this it looks really awesome at first impression and we'll talk more about it when we get to the show. All right.
Alright, test, test, test. Okay, this is Jermaine here. This is our first impressions. Got the comic still in its plastic bag. You can hear the rummaging. So let's give it a quick open. Keeping in mind that this is podcast, so it's not very good uh, audio, me opening a comic. But I'm sure Steve can edit it if needed. Okay, first thing, the card pops out. Um, So let's look at the card first. Great. I am really, 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 really excited about the fact that we're going to get uh, some more cards. Um, I'm sure the wife isn't, as it's going to probably cost me a mini fortune. Okay, next thing, we'll look at the Barry Stubbardson Decade by Decade. Flick it open. Um, A lot of reading, and it looks very, very detailed. Um, There's like two pages for each year. Um, So I think this should... Hopefully keep the focus happy. Um, it looks great. I love the cover. Um, must admit, I'm almost liking the Barry Stubbardsfield extra cover than the other cover, minus the uh, bumpy bits. I love the bumpy bits. I'm running my fingers along the bumpy bits now. Um, I feel like a kid. Um, it's great. Um, okay, let's look at it. It's interesting looking at it on the back, on the inside with the bumpy bits. Um, colour in a free. It looks so much. It looks so great. Um, okay, just flick it through. Colour. Okay, let's see how they go with the purple, Phantom as purple. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. That was probably my first concern is because they would have had to change it. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with it. I'm happy. Okay, I love the... Uh, splash pages like Demons in the Woods in the Deep Woods is the one I'm looking at and then you've got some more I oh, know that's the um, what do you call it that is the prose story I like that um, okay flicking through I want to have a look at the red story so the here we go the German story where he's in red Treasurer of the Green Hell. I am really looking forward to how people are going to be able to handle this red. Um, I actually don't mind it. It's got a real great nostalgic point of view, but it is going to be interesting. Um, page 189, where it's got the Treasure of the Pharaohs. Interesting that they kept that in there. Um, I wonder if we're going to get, see that story. Um, Deadly Cargo. Ooh, it's very, very different. Um, I quite like it. Uh, colouring again is pretty good. That one looks he looks a bit blue on on the bottom of page one nine two, but you would not really pick that normally. Um, Glenn Ford and whoever did the colouring very impressed with the way that you've managed to turn the blue phantom into purple. Can only imagine how long that's taken, but I don't mind the different style, and I think the different style is brilliant for. Um, uh, what do you call it? Is brilliant for an annual special where you can basically experiment. Um, the other interesting thing is the last story, where you got to read it on the side. Um, I personally don't mind it either, um, and it's great. Um, okay, quick, let's have a look at the Zygma story. That is a story that I have been waiting to read for ages. Um, yeah, it's really good artwork for the period of time. Okay, overall impressions, very, very good, very impressed with it, 
Oh, I've just seen the colouring competition. Um, going to have to go get a... Oh, yep, all you can do is scan and print. So you don't have to, um, uh, what do you call it? Cut it out, that's brilliant. I'm going to take my daughter to do that and see if that will uh, help sway the judges. Um, overall impressions, very good. Lots and lots of stuff in there. Jam-packed. Um, as you can tell by everyone on Facebook waiting with the week delay and stuff like that, this is definitely a issue that everyone is eagerly waiting for. All right, I better get back to work. Thank you. That's my initial first couple of thoughts. Bye. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 48 of X-Band, the Fandom Podcast. We've got a very special um, episode for you today. Today we get to review Brew's 80th anniversary special. We have been looking forward to this all year, ever since February, and um, we're excited, as old Big Kev used to say. Um, and, with, and joining me in this excitement, of course, we have Jermaine. How are you going there, Jermaine? Pretty good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, oh, mate, I'm, I'm fantastic. What a week it's been for, for a fan, I reckon. Yeah, yeah Hawthorne lost, and we've got this. <laughs> um... what's, what's Hawthorne losing got to do with that? <laughs> Still currently three times back-to-back-to-back premieres for another fortnight. And and giggling in the background there is, um, what's your name again, Dan? <laughs> uh, good evening, Stephen. Hey, Jermaine. Good to, good to be with you tonight. Very excited to uh, flick through this 80th anniversary special with you guys. So, Dan, are you now a regular? Because you, you can't really be a special guest anymore, can you? <laughs> um, I'll leave that for, for others to judge. Um, I just enjoy turning up and, to, and talking comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the wife is happy as well because it means you don't have to talk to her about it. Yeah, that's exactly. Although she's getting good at spotting comic shops for me as we're driving along, so um, she spotted one today and said, "Pull over, go in. You know you want to." I was happy with that. <laughs> good work. Yep. She knows you well. Yeah, it's only taken sixteen years, but she's getting there. Ah, <laughs> uh, so the eightieth anniversary special has it lived up to its expectations? We're, we're hoping to get it back in February. We've got it in September. Um, what do you guys reckon? Well, was, were you chopping? Did you think we we're ever going to ever going to see it? Well, I know Dan was a little bit worried. Um, this has kind of been like his uh, Moby Dick, just the, the thing that just does not <laughs> just does not arrive. And he's just hunting it and hunting it. He's yeah, a bit worried it, when it was being delayed and he wasn't getting his subscription and everything. Yeah, delayed well, by it, an extra week. 
<laughs> it is. It was my white whale, and it's and it's turned up, and it's big, and it's white, and uh, <laughs> and it's and, beautiful. And it is, it's very very good. Like I um as you've alluded to, I do subscribe, and I haven't. Uh, my subscription hasn't turned up yet. Um, so I have had to go and buy my reading copy from the news agents, but that's okay. I was always going to have to get two anyway. And, uh, so I've enjoyed that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the subscription copy turn up. And I, as you said today to me, Jeremy, in an email or whatever, that, uh, it probably is coming with the, uh, signature series signed by Glenn Ford. Uh, so that'll be good. I'm looking, to, looking forward to that. Are either of you guys going to get the signature series of this one? Oh, I've thought about it. Um, because there's a few other colours that I want, like there's the uh, Todero one, there's the other, um, I haven't gotten many since, I haven't gotten any since Supernova, and there's at least another couple, so uh, depending on how rich I am at, at, on the day when I order the, um, uh, the, the others that I want will depend on whether I get this, but if, if it's still available, I reckon I probably will. I'm, I'm hanging up a Saviot cover to, to be my first. Having said that, Jamie Johnson's, the, the Mark of Cain, um, cover that I, I might weaken it and go for that one first. With Jamie Johnson, you just about want to get in on the ground floor at the moment because I think he's going to be fantastic. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, the stuff that he's doing and the stuff that he's been posting on Facebook, it, it just mm. it fills you with hope, really. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's probably for another episode. podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was um, stoked that um, last Wednesday when I, um, we didn't have any bread in the house, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go to the bakery and I'll pick up a, a salad roll for lunch. And so I didn't look at, oh, there's a news agent just beside here. And so I walked into the news agent, so I did the lap, couldn't see it. I was, back, I was walking out the door and I, I could see that um, the old bloke hadn't, um, hadn't unpacked a few things. So I wonder if that's a phantom comic. And so I asked him. He goes, oh, yes, here you go. And it was, well, I put the photo up and it went nuts. It did. Yes. And and by now everyone has heard, haven't they, our first impressions as we opened it? Uh, yeah, I, I put that up, um, I put that at the start. So, um, yes. Yeah, so everyone's heard how excited and, and giggly we were as we, as we <laughs> tore open those plastic envelopes. <laughs> Uh, it brought out the inner schoolgirl in all of us. <laughs> well, I did open mine up at school. There you go. <laughs> I, I had to convince myself not to leave school at lunchtime to go and get it. I was a good boy and went and did my yard duty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just as well because you might have uh, run into some of your students. <laughs> Very good chance. So, like, just a few of the things. Like, what's, what did you guys think of the price tag? I think that was one probably the biggest biggest discussion point besides the stories, you reckon? Oh, I only Mark, like I only saw maybe one or two posts mentioning something about it. Everyone just seemed it was um, um, quite fine. Like, you wouldn't want to be paying it every time for an annual, but for what we're getting here, um, mm-hmm. people thought it was justified. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, yep, I'm on board with that as well. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, 20 bucks is a lot of money for a comic, and especially if you're going to buy... Uh, two or three because you want investment copies and, and signature copies and all the rest of it. But like you say, um, it's a one. It, Phantom doesn't turn 80 every year. Um, we won't have to do this again for another five or ten years. You would have thought. So um, yeah, for for what we're getting, I think um, I think it's good value. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm just thinking, what was the seventieth anniversary? Was that um was that that purple one that just had the number seventy on it? Correct. 
Well, oh, did we even get? Oh, I had this. Was it this with the Sky Barry cover? No, I have a feeling it was just like you say, seven, a plain purple and a big seventieth on the front cover. Right. There might have been one small frame on it. It was a. Yeah, I'm a big Jim Shepard fan, um, and I'm on the record of that. But that was a, a very disappointing cover. Uh, one of his one of his poorer moments. Mm. Would you do you think it would be fair to say this is probably the biggest? All the most anticipated, most anticipated through comics since uh, uh, issue one thousand, which is nine seven two. That probably is, and, and uh, yeah, you probably make a good point there, and especially uh, I guess the delay. Um, and I know that Fru was going through the change of ownership through February, and you can uh, understand why that happened. And then we'll get to it. But uh, in the message to the publisher, um, Dudley from the publisher, Dudley also talks about what why he pushed the schedule back to September. Um, and I think that that six months, seven months after the actual anniversary has probably built the anticipation. And, yeah, good point. You know, the, the, the little um, leaks that came out about uh, the cover and that sort of thing a couple of months ago, you know, has really has really wet the appetite of most fans. And, uh, yeah, that, well, there's, there was somebody who I read it who um, had stopped collecting years ago and was waiting for, for this issue to start collecting again. So there, mm. there certainly has been the, uh, the build-up to it. Mm. And um, I'm just looking back at the, at the 70th issue, I'm just on phantomwiki.org for anyone who's keen. Um, it only had three stories in it, um, plus a, the supplement uh, tribute to Lee Falk. So um, compared to what we got for the 70th, I think this is a, um, a big step up. Mm. Definitely. And, and you can... And that- it starts from the cover, and you've mentioned that already. But just the the quality of the cover, like the, the the thickness of the cardboard, and then the embossing that's on it, the the artwork on Glenn Ford, that's one of his um, one of his better depictions of the Phantom. I I would have thought um, it, it's it's a beautiful cover, and uh, the embossing right through the the title and the the bullet holes and the character himself, it's um it's very very well done. So do you guys like? Did you guys like just like run? I wonder if we were the only ones that just like ran our fingers over the embossing for like about you know thirty seconds or something. I'm still doing it now. <laughs> as, as am I. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's the first comic produced for Braille. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's it's lovely. I actually particularly like <laughs> when you turn it over and you do start to read the message from the publisher. In the light, you get the embossing of the the character come through again, and uh, <laughs> it's it's good from both sides. <laughs> and what about that message from the publisher? Well, I liked that um, that in it Dudley paid tribute to the first the, the first story, the Sing Brotherhood, and talked all about that. Um, that that was uh, nice touch. We got a little frame from it there. Um, and then telling the story of why they went this way, and it was Glenn Ford's idea. By the look of this. Um, no, it, uh, and the way that, you know, thanks to the team around the world who, who helped put it together. So, no, it was good. Very much a team effort. So, um, what, what do you think about not having, uh, that story in Dan or, or not having any false stories? Are, are you with, uh, Glenn and the, Glenn and the fellas on, on this one or, um, you just, would you do it another way? Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about that at the end, I think, because I'm still, I'm, I'm hoping to use our conversation as part of my decision as to whether I'm happy with that or not, I think. <laughs> um, okay, watch this space. Yeah, watch this space. Look, I um, he tried to justify not having Lee Fork in it. I'll come back to that, but um, 
Yeah, look, overall, I liked the way that he talked about the fandom as a story that went viral around the world before anyone knew what that meant in a in a story type context, and um, and he's probably right in terms of a a, car, a comic strip character um, that that hit newspapers and then just started popping up and appearing and and uh, being rewritten into different cultures and and being. Um, taken on board by people all over the globe uh, i don't know that we've we've seen many things like this um and that and that's a tribute to the character that was created definitely i've um i've got quite a few friends from around the world who um who collect comics of different characters as well and um basically i was using them to help me find comics from other countries and that as well and like, well, you talk to them just about how many countries the fan has been published in and how many, uh, you know, like, unique stories, like, stories that are, that are created by other creating teams and all that. And you would ha- it would have to be probably one of the top five most written, like, most published comic characters in the world. Mm. Quite easily. Like, um, I, I, we, did, we did some numbers and it... it there was only, I think there was only Superman and um, one other, which I can't remember who it was at the top of my head, that actually had more countries that have published the fandom, not including newspapers. Um, so when you look at it like that way, I think it's a, I think, I think Australians are a little bit ignorant or a little bit, maybe, yeah, I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but. Probably just take I, it for granted. Yeah, just the fact that this does have such a worldwide reach. And I think, you know, I think that's probably, that's how I look at it. And I actually think it's a good idea it not um, not just focusing on Lee Fork with the stories. It kind of gives the common fan a bit of an insight on what is out there. And it also is a good um, teaser for some of the uh, um, Phantom World stories as well that are coming up. I think they've mentioned that in, a, in another update, either on their website or, or on social media. Um, yeah, they use, I think, the exact word, either a teaser or, or a taster of, of Phantom's World. Um, well, I think that, that probably, I mean, you look through the contents page and there's that sort of shows you all the, the places that the, the stories have come from. And obviously we've got Scandinavia represented, which is, is obvious, but... Um, to see a Yugoslav story, and a lot of people have been looking forward to that Zygmar story. Mm. Um, Turkey, which I think everyone has heard of, or, you know, everyone. Um, the more dedicated fans have certainly heard of Kizil Mask, but whether we've ever, ever actually seen a story. And to see a German story and um, to, you know, just to see those stories that are coming from around the world, many of which, like, I know you, you've made a point, Germ, of, of collecting those stories from around the world, but... Um, as you say, the vast majority of Australian fans, even if we've got an awareness that they exist, have not actually laid eyes on them before. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so what about that contents page? We, we, as soon as you're it, you know you're going to get some colour in the comic because, well, the contents page is in colour. Um, it's a nice, you know... It, it, the contents page really goes for about two or three pages if you if you really think about it. Um, a, a brief summary of you know which pages you know each story is going to start on, but then turning over, um, you have Andreas Ericsson's uh, write up of each of each story around the world in 
80 years, his little uh, brief summary there. Yeah, um, classic. <laughs> um, did you guys read all, read all these before reading the stories? Or did you wait yeah, I did. Stories? Yeah, me too, yeah. So you had some idea what you'll get into, and then um, you read the stories, and you forgot what you'd read in the first place. He did it well in that there's there's no uh, giving away of the plot, and that's what you what yeah. you don't want before you read the story. Um, a little bit of background's fine, and I found myself um, I read through this first, and then after I read each story, I'd come back and reread the, the little blurb that Andreas had put together there. So um, I did that with a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked that th- that through his um, through his introductions there, the photos that are included, oh the photos, the, the the pictures that are included are of the originals that before they were translated, um, so you get a sense of what it looked like um, when it was first published. I must uh, one one thing that popped um, into mind as I read through this though, um, I, I was disappointed when I looked at the contents page and there was no leaf fork, but as I said, come back <laughs> to that. Um, a couple of other things though. It claims, you know, in big bold letters on the front cover that we're looking at eight decades here, but there's no stories from the 40s or the 50s or from the double zeros. Oh. We've got two, I think, two, for instance, from the 1960s. Um, I'm checking it out now. <laughs> two from the 1980s. Like, uh, Breaking the Circle from Turkey is 81. Deadly Cargo on page 190 is also 89. So that's a yeah, double so you've up. You've got two from the 80s. You've got three from the t- uh, 20 teens. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, the 40s, the 50s, and the double zeros are not represented. Mm. Well picked up there, Dan. Well, I was looking for my favourite fork stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about the competitions, guys? Yeah, don't yeah, My kids are going to win. <laughs> Well, I, uh, it doesn't look hard to enter the uh, MerchantWise collection. Um, you've got to send in an email. It doesn't say whether or not you're allowed to have multiple entries, so I guess we'll just be setting up um, bot email accounts. And <laughs> <laughs> Dan Fraser one two three, Dan Fraser one two three four. No, so and the prize looks awesome. Um, the the some of the, the statue there that's not even out yet the fanwork stuff from um, from Glenn Ford's posters uh, the the Bradford Exchange the coin um, you know the, if you even even collectors like us wouldn't have all of those things and so um, you're going to appeal to of, everybody sorry yeah, I don't have any of them so um, I just have the coin is the only one I've got in the skull yeah the coin in the skull so I th- I think I said in my two minutes at the start that oh I've got lots of this stuff. Because I plan on buying the hero um, statue, and I have the um, the coin in the skull, but um, I was just getting carried away and trying to flick through quickly. So. <laughs> and you've got the movie pistols. I've got better pistols than these Bradford ones, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the cut- contest, mate. <laughs> Not when you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> and the coloring competition, going to have a go at that? I'm not. I'm just going to. I'm just going to let my daughter win it. <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've been getting my son to practice on dodgy Spider-Man um, <laughs> colouring in so that he can start getting in in the lines and that sort of thing. Because I'm sure I read somewhere that that's going to be important. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a 
very intricate picture that they've chosen to to put in. There's a lot, mm. you know. My my daughter, who's a bit older, looked at it and gone, "Oh, that's hard." So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see um, to see how that comes together. My daughter's cute and she's one and a half, so that's that kind of gives her a, an advantage over all you guys. Well, I was going to so. take a photo with uh, my two-year-old doing it, you know. Yeah, I'm going to do the same maker. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Milk it for as much as it's worth. But to be, I think, to be truthfully honest, I don't think we will win it because I think it will look a little bit dodgy if uh, if one of us win it. It could well. It's interesting. It's a it's an image from Shane Foley, who mm. obviously has put in a um, uh, he's he's had a, a cover published this year, and I'd seen mm. his signature in the middle on the box there that it's SF ninety seven slash sixteen. So I wonder if he first drew this in nineteen ninety seven, and then just has sort of uh, finished it off or whatever for this for this colouring competition. Good point. Interesting point. But it's certainly a prize worth winning. It was yeah. a full artwork, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, of, of this comic. Yeah, yeah the, cover, the cover to this issue. Yeah. So it's worth having a crack at, that's for sure. Yep. Sharpen, sharpen those pencils and get into it. Be interesting to see if they if it is uh, designed for kids to win it, and, and we all probably think that that's what will happen, or if someone who's an aspiring colourist um, who does just an absolutely wonderful job of it, um, whether they'll get the gong. Well, yeah. if, if they scan it into the computer, can, can you use something like whatever they use? Um, Photoshop. And Photoshop or whatever, they, whatever they've been doing. Mm, well, he says here, in whatever medium you wish, paints, pencils, crayons, etc. So um, I guess <laughs> Photoshop counts as etc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here's where it says, don't go outside the lines. So there, yeah. <laughs> Actually, oh, and yeah. another thing I noticed here, is that the first indication we've got of Rue's new, new address now that they've moved? It's not Castlereagh Street. It's a PO box. Yeah. No, in, they've got a new printer though. A new printer. Yeah, if you look in the on the first page, it's got printer by Spot Press, so it's not by um, the Adelaide Mob. Yeah. Oh right. So I don't know if it's the first time or not. Well, Barry Stubbersfield probably knows. Yeah. Oh, well picked up. All right. Okay, so. Ready to get into the stories now, fellas? We've, we've had a look at all the... the yeah, um, this is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And we're talking, you know, we are mentioning before about, um, you know, an, an aspiring colourist. And we open up to our first story, which is uh, Nuclear Terror. I I can turn the page. So we're here on Nuclear Terror, and bang, we are hit with a full-colour spread phantom. Well, actually, there's no phantom in the first two pages, <laughs> but it's, you, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, yeah. Was it a good surprise for you guys? For the colour, we knew it was yeah. coming. But it's a nice, it's nice to see. Um, and, I, and I was thinking this as I powered through the last few stories there before the podcast. Um, I'm beginning to turn. I'm, I'm beginning to think maybe we can see colour a bit more often. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, mm. I like because I, I know it's um. You know, they come from the Blue Phantom up there in Scandinavia. Um, whoever's done the colouring on this have done a, a bang-up job because you could never tell that um, he's been recoloured. Mm. Have to agree. There's um, there's there's a couple of little indications you can kind of tell a little bit of blue, but, you know, I was, like, spending a lot of time trying to find it, you know, because that was one of the first things I actually focused on 
when I opened up the stories is how how was the the recolouring from a blue phantom to a purple phantom going to look? Um, and I, I'm very I'm agree with you totally. I'm very impressed with it. Yeah. I think um, in that last story, you could probably give that a little bit. I can see a little bit of blue, but I'd take that as a bit of a shadow of, of the way the lights um yeah lights hitting the um the phantom. But um the watercolour story, and we'll get to that later. I forgot about that, but it probably would have been originally done in, per- in, in blue. So to, to have that come out in purple the way it has is mm. great. So what do you think of the actual story, though? Um, well, what do you reckon, Dan? I'll let you go first. Well, just yeah, before, just on the colour, there are. I, I agree with you that they've um, they've done a brilliant job for the most part. There are a couple of um, not so much like the the scene on page twenty two. Where the phantom drops the vial, which is is very exciting, and all the rest of it. His leg is clearly blue there, so that's whether they've just missed that one or, or the shadow was going to do it. Um, but actually, it was the probably the red shorts that stood out more for me. Like on page twenty three, the bottom two panels, he's both oh, got red yeah. red shorts yeah. in both of those. Oh, I missed that. Um, and he's got the red shorts on page twenty as well, because that's when I started going back and looking for the shorts. So, um, yeah, so it's got blue. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, for the most part, uh, but just missed a couple, I suppose. But I wonder how many people are going to um, pick that up. Like we've, Everyone, you know, we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ford's probably cursing us right now. Um, <laughs> oh, oh Damn that bloody ghost who stalks. He's got an eye for detail. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think. I think they've done a better job here than what they have with some of the Kiwi covers. Yeah, um, oh, look, I'm being pedantic, it, it, yeah. as, as the most part. And, and even as Stephen said it, I was, I had certainly thought the same thing, that um, if, if the colour phantoms come out like this, I could certainly be swayed to thinking that we, we need to see colour a bit more often because this is, <laughs> it's really, it, it it's a visual nice. delight to, to read through it. It really is. Yeah, and I, I think... There will be a lot more traditionalists. I won't use the word focus because I don't think all of them will be focus. I think there will be a lot of black and white traditionalists that will, when they see this, they will maybe not want it every issue, but they'll be they'll be a little bit more okay with it coming out, you know, five, seven times a year or whatever the um, uh, whatever the numbers will be. You definitely be looking forward to it. Mm. And look, as far as the story goes, I really enjoyed the story as well. I, th- I liked the um, uh, some of the whoever wrote this one is very technical in terms of um, getting the weapons. You know, he's got yeah, this type of weapon and that, that type of weapon. Um, but I liked how they had a go at the Phantom for using an outdated weapon <laughs> yeah. and it was too heavy and all the rest of it. Yeah, um, that gave me a bit of a laugh. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah there was some nice in joke like referencing you know you're, you're an old 20th century and a 21st century uh, world. Then he yeah, flies right. back well with your 18th or 19th century um, apartheid-looking thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, so that was that was really really good. Um, I guess I guess my que- uh, my query around the story, as much as I really enjoyed this, um, it it really is just the just I say, but it, it's it's just an Egmont story. It's it's what would have been coming up shortly anyway, um, and so in terms of having it in a in a special about eight decades, eight countries and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, whether this was special enough to get into the special, I'm not sure. 
but but it was a good story nonetheless. Yeah, I, I found the story. Oh, I got I wrote down. I even wrote down notes this time. That's how professional I'm being now. Um, but the first thing I've written is uh, fairly run of the mill. Like it's not going to set the world on fire. Like it's a good mm. story, but um, I actually had to read the, the ending twice because I think I fell asleep as I was reading it. So. <laughs> but and oh, that's right. It seemed like um, yeah. People have asked me what what I thought about the shorter format, and I said it was. It's all been good. You know, I have, they haven't felt rushed. They haven't felt like they haven't left anything open. But I felt that the ending of this did feel rushed. Um, it's probably the first one that I, that I felt that way about. Um, you know, like I just all of a sudden had to jam everything in because I only had a page or two left. Mm. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. It, it was it sort of finished on the climax, but not necessarily in a good way. The resolution's only two or three panels. So <laughs> I'm just looking at page 29. He's got a blue shot. Blue shorts on his um, backside, and he's got red shorts on his front. He does too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually, the thing that got me is, I actually thought the art looks very Alex Saviuk. I thought exactly the same thing. Um, but who's it by? Um, Ru- a Ruiz or something? Ruiz, yeah. Who did um, the last one as well, didn't he? Yeah, Mark McCain. Yeah, and I, I really like that. Like, yeah, it was very Saviokish that that art, and so I really like it. It's it's very good art. I, I really enjoyed it, and and probably it's best um, served in colour. Um, a story like this, um, and yeah. I know we've said that about other stories that are oh, it's best in black and white because that's what we've been given. But um, it looks really really good. Just uh, another quick note on the author. I don't know if you remember Steve. I don't think you. With us then, Dan, uh, when we reviewed The Medicine Man's Daughter. Yep. It's the same writer, and he also did Abandoned's Pride back in like the 90s. Okay. I've got that story, I just both, I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm, so he's. I know I've seen the title. He's, um, that was, some of, they're probably some of the better, more modern day classic stories, if you can use that word. Um, so, yeah, so this, I think this one's good, but it's probably not as good as those. Yeah. Not as good but, as a man's daughter, that's for sure. Yeah, but I think I think um, uh, whoever the powers be down in uh, Egmont Land, I think they need to get him to do a couple more stories because two out of the three that he's done have been really good. Well, as, as Mr. Loaf is fond of saying, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> that's it. Okay, so anything else on nuclear terror? Nope. Nope. Oh. There seems to be a bit of a theme with a number of these Egmont stories about, well, this is nuclear terror, and then we've got some um, environmental things that would um, help ruin the, the world as well. Um, you see that coming through as a as a common theme through a lot of Egmont, or does it just happen to be in this? I think it was just Egmont. a coincidence. All right, so moving on, and we've got a nice congratulations there from from the man himself. Congratulations to Few on this uh, milestone issue. Who was the artist on that one? Keith Chatty, it looks like. Looks like Keith Chatty, yeah. Could be it, wrong. Um, I, I got this, and and one of my um, and another gripe, if I'm allowed to have one, would be that it uh, the stories weren't in chronological order. It would have been good to see them from yeah. the 30s. Yeah, I would have liked. But I I understand why that you know because they've obviously well it looks to me anyway that the printer has said right the first 20 or 40 pages or whatever they are are in colour and the last 40 because of the way we're going to bind them. And so the stories that they coloured were therefore forced to the front and the back. 
um, which threw the whole thing out of whack. If you look at the spine, though, it's not really the case. Like, if you look at the spine, um, well, on my comic anyway, the first 34 pages is actually of its of its of its uh, separate. Mm. Oh, well, in that case, they've got no excuse, and and they should have put them in uh, chronological. Order. <laughs> I was trying to give them an out, <laughs> but, uh, but but oh, no, I, is that this, the case? This... Is it still the case for your um, spine? Like, if you look at the spine out near the binding, do you kind of like see a, a a difference between the first couple, like the first thirty-five pages? Yeah, I'm just counting from the back now as well. That looks like what's 170. No good at maths. What's 210 minus 179? 2031. Oh, so they're about the same. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. Maybe, maybe it is something like that, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of, I must admit, I kind of thought that maybe, uh, you know, in the year order might have been a, not, been a little bit nice, along with mm. like a, like, here's a question. Do, would have you preferred the Andreas splash intro at the start of every story? Or all at the start as it was. I don't mind it at the start. Um, I like the idea of having um, the original comic page or comic cover um, as as a splash page, if you wish, if you will. Kind of like the replica series. Yeah, like replica series. Yeah, I, I thought that that was um, yeah. I would have liked a splash page. And, and if we if we turn the next page, Demons in the Deep Woods, that has got the splash page, mm. which. You know, um, I, sh- I assume that Demonius na Foresta Negra means demons in the deep woods. It looks close. Um, I would have liked to see forest. a page like that for every story. Yeah. Mm. This is actually created by... Um, he's he's a fan fan. Um, he's, on a, he's on a lot of all the forums and stuff. On Facebook and that. Yeah, I actually sent him a photo this morning of... Um, the last page, so he could see the the credit of his story. Um, Lorcio, I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I must admit, I I've dealt with him before. Like we've sent each other comics and stuff like that in the past, but I do not know how to pronounce his name, and he probably says the same thing about my name. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> so so is he is he a um, uh, an accredited author. Uh, accredited is not the right word. Is it, well, I guess what I'm saying is this fan fiction, or is this? Um, I think it's fan fiction, before? but he's he's been published in quite a few things. Right. Right. So you know, I don't I don't think he has like you know books or he's you know, but he has been published. I think he's mm. had some poems published and some other short stories and stuff. And, and what do we think of seeing um, a prose phantom story as, a, as opposed to the usual comic? I probably wasn't sure, but when I read it, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, it's probably something, especially if it's fan fiction and just anyone can write one, it'd be something that, you know, if we're going to have these 22-page stories coming out of Egmont and they need fillers or whatever, um, getting a, a two- or three-page prose story that's written by a fan and, and written well... Um, is yeah. something that I'd probably enjoy because I, I genuinely That's enjoyed this. Get, put that to fruit and get a fruit crew badge for that fruit one. Fruit crew badge, <laughs> I'm patenting that one right now, Dudley. That's mine. <laughs> um, Phantom, I don't know if any of you have gotten uh, the Phantom Adventures comics. Um, 
there's, I think there's about three, maybe four of them that came out in the 50s or the 60s. They were actually, it's all prose stories. Don't be telling me this has been done before. This is my new idea <laughs> that I've been inspired by from seeing it somewhere in a comic. <laughs> yeah, but all, what I'm saying is you could you could well use those stories. Yeah, right, uh, right. There's also the uh, the World Adventure Library publications from uh, Europe, from uh, UK, I believe it was. I think they've done a couple of uh, annuals. I think there's some uh, prose stories in those as well. So I think, and obviously you know, the the Avon books um, have yeah, they're a bit longer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not saying you'd use those, but I'm just saying that the, the yeah. prose stories have got a popularity about them. Uh, Moonstone did those two books as well. Right. With with prose stories, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't read the second one because, well, it's I'll be honest, I've only you know read probably a book in the last decade. Um, you like looking at pictures, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, I've read two books. That's not including cookbooks or comics. Um, and one of them was uh, an Avon novel, a Phantom Avon novel, and another one was uh, on leadership or something. So in the last decade, <laughs> decade I think I'm... Um, but, no, I think, it's a, I think it's a good idea having, you know, when they finished with um, uh, Heart of Darkness, maybe they could put prose stories in the last couple of pages. Yeah, and and look, um, I, uh, hand on heart, I really enjoyed this, and there were moments in this that I thought, wow, wow, there's a really good place for prose stories. Like for instance, um, uh, the the observation, well, for the fact to start with that it was written in the perspective of the young boy, and it wasn't over the shoulder of the Phantom, which is a lot of the stories that we see are very much from the Phantom's point of view, and to see it, to have the story told from from the young boy's point of view was really really cool. I thought. And um, mm. some of the imagery, like when he uh, notices um, the tear rolling down the Phantom's cheek as he's looking over all the kids in a very phantom, oh, sorry, in a very father fatherly way, um, I thought that came across really, really well. And is probably not something that would be easy to draw. Um, and so to have that yeah. described, I thought that was really cool. Um, that sort of stuff was was really, really good. But other things like the construction of the story in terms of uh, at the end, we find out that he's telling this story as an old man, and and mm. you know that wasn't set up or signposted early in the piece. So I would have, you know, that would have been my feedback on the draft, so to speak. <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I like the imagery that came with because it broke up the text. Yeah, because yep. for some people, especially if they're not only used to reading comics, reading a prose could be a little bit difficult if you open up and there's you know, five pages of full-page text. So having the image in the top third, I thought was quite good. And I, I think it was done, I think a lot of them were done by the other the other artist as well. So it was good to, it was, it's kind of good to see another artist get a run as well. Which other artist are you talking about there? Um, the artist who oh, did the top a- stories. Akata. Akata. Yeah. I'll, what about you, Stephen, as the other English teacher? What did you think? Um, yeah, well, very much the same as, as you there, Dan. Um, um, thought it was a good little story um, with some you know, translation issues and, and order of words. Um, breaking, I, I, I take your point on there, Jermaine, um, about breaking it up, you know, using the first third or the top third of the, um, 
of the page as a as a bit of illustration. Also, putting the um, the scale mark in the middle of the um, of the text also helps to to break up that text. I must admit, when I first um, went to read it, I thought, oh, you know, you're not used to reading um, you know a prose story when you're reading comics. Um, but being only uh, one, two, three, four pages or two double sided, if you if you like it. Um, yeah, you can handle that. And like you say, if, um, once the, um, Heart of Darkness, uh, runs it, runs its course, you know, having these little stories in there wouldn't be a bad thing. Or if you, um, take on Dan's idea and, and open up some fan put in a fan fiction competition and, um, everyone, you know, tries to make it this long, they, they could have legs. Mm. Well, this would be less than 600 words, I'd, I'd be guessing. What do you think about the next story, guys? The threat of the great dictator. Watch out. From outer space, here comes the next great dictator. Well, I, I really I like the splash page. It's good. It sort of throws, shows that uh, this is going to be a global global story. Yep. Are you worried about your linen? <laughs> about my what? About your linen. Attention, leaders of Earth. Attention, the great di- dictator speaks. And... And you and your linens. You and your linens. <laughs> I, you and your linens. I assumed that was um, the the radio story that she was listening to that uh, got broken into. So um, I, I'm not sure that I've ever look. There's got to be if 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 there could be a podcast about uh, the Phantom, I'm sure there's a podcast about linen out there somewhere. So that's probably what she's listening to. <laughs> I, I must admit, I thought it was supposed to be like New Orleans or something like that. Oh, possibly your your leans. Yeah, okay, possibly. But um, no. Nah, what, what did you think about? Like, I, I actually really enjoyed this story. Um. I must oh, say, yeah. when when um, Andreas talked about it in his intro, I thought, "Oh, grown, this this is probably going to be one of those dud stories." But I, I actually got I actually got into it. Um, it. This story probably surprised me the most. I, I probably went in thinking this was probably going to be the weakest story of them all, but um, it surprised me. I thought some of the drawing and some of the panels was brilliant. Um, I like the way the way they draw Diana. Um, especially on like the third panel, the first and third panel on um, page 50. I thought she looks, you know, like really good there. Um, all she can think about is kissing the fan, and I thought that was pretty funny. But no, I, I was impressed with this. I like the big size of the panels as well. Yeah. Everything's nice and clear. Um, and a, a nice little touch, um, it's got nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the story. But um, the little advertisements little adverts, at, yeah. Yeah, at the bottom of the page, I thought that was a nice little touch keeping those in. I enjoyed those. I liked seeing that the, it was largely King Feature Syndicate characters, your Flash Gordon and Mandrake, who were who were popping up down there. Batman, I think, got a run as well as, as a lot that I didn't recognise. But, uh, yeah, they were pretty cool. And and the story, you know, it kicks along well. I thought it read like a Sunday strip. Um, so each page was like a another week, you know, um, if you get my drift. Yeah. Well, I certainly, I've written down that it was a classic plot, and it, and it could have been a, um, a Lee Falk plot, especially um, uh, in, his, in his period in the 70s when he was, um, you know, the Blue Giant type era, um, and the, 
who was the um, the crazy um, the crazy guy who lived in a, in a kingdom that he had populated with robots and that sort of thing. That sort of era of the, of Lee Falk. Oh, it's, it's, mysterious Karapura or something. That's it, Karakura. And uh, it, it very much reminded me of that sort of era, Lee Falk, um, with this uh, great dictator who liked dressing up and pretend. I don't know why he has to dress up like a alien when he's just pretending on the radio that he's an alien. Um, That's I guess he's, character. He's, he's really uh, <laughs> getting into character, isn't he? He's a method actor. Yeah. Method actor, that's right. Well, actually, um, but no, I, page 55, what do you reckon of the, the photo there? Of, of, I guess it's well, I've certainly noted that. that that's, um, that surprised me. It, that, it, that is a photo, do you reckon, or just some excellent, excellent artwork? No, I reckon it's a photo. Is it supposed to be of the Phantom? I thought it was oh, a dictator. I assumed the dictator as well with the glass, yeah. But it doesn't really go as the dictator because if you kind of read it as the panels, it's almost like, you know, the fans are saying, General, set the ship to sail out tomorrow. Glare, stare. Then he reveals the plan. And then the the generals are, okay, I trust him. I'll follow his plan. But the glasses, you're correct don't fit the dictator, but it kind of reads, in my opinion, that it's the Phantom giving him the cold stare. Well, if that's the case, then I don't like it. Because we all died a horrible death. Because you will die a horrible death. And again, on page 67, um, you see the Phantom's oh, eyes. And, yeah. That. So if... I, 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 you're absolutely <laughs> right in terms of the point of the story that that could well be what happened. And it's something that... I don't think I've ever seen in a Phantom comic before just a, a, a photograph. Um, uh, happens quite often, but more for, like, backgrounds and stuff. Mm. Um, one that comes to my memory at the top of my head is uh, a Simon in Riga or Riga, which is the one where the Phantom was in Russia. Um, okay. There's a lot of uh, backgrounds of of, like, Moscow and stuff, which is actually, like, photos. or So okay. it does kind of happen, but I think it's more for backgrounds. This is the first time I've actually seen it as actually the, the Phantoms or whoever's eyes it is. Uh, it, it's got to be the Dictators. Like, looking at the, the goggles, like the outline, they match the, the Dictator, and even the, the lines across um, mm. the eyes, that it matches what's happening in... Um, in pictures of the dictator, so um, I think it's just um, you know the dictator. He's seeing everything that we're doing. He's he, at the forefront of everything, and we got to get um, got to get rid of him, type of thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're right that it, it, it does look like the, the dictator's glasses, but I don't really see how it fits in with the panels. Oh, it doesn't. No. Yeah, I'm not saying it, it doesn't fit in with the panels at all. But I'm saying it's dictators i wonder if this sort of imagery that you know the, the close-up photo like that is common in brazilian comics is this something that happens in brazil um all the time or, or is this a one-off even for them would not have a clue to be honest mm. what year was this one i'm just trying to have a look 1968 so you could have just been some trippy hippie stuff to, to... <laughs> You've seen movies from the 60s and stuff, they're just all of a sudden like, and they have the <laughs> eyes and yeah. organs and um, yeah. <laughs> butterflies flapping around. Yeah, well, that's how I got most of their inspiration. 
Yeah. <laughs> but all, so yeah, I thought, but yeah, I thought it was a good story. And like I said, I thought each page read like a like a Sunday adventure. And um, I thought um, I thought more could be done about the um, the dictator's backstory. I, I know the the woman at the end gives a little bit of, of that away, but it, I felt that seemed a little bit rushed. Mm. Um, so it's uh, something a bit more there. And of course, um, the non-translation of Devil. Yeah, calling yeah. Him whatever his name was. When I when I put that into um, Google Translate, oh, it wasn't Capito, it was Capito. It, it came up as um, Capacian or something, which just made me think of Ghostbusters too in the painting. But was that in Portuguese or Spanish? Uh, well, it came through in Portuguese on the, um, okay. the translator. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked the as I said. Um, this is does remind me of some Lee Fork stories and the fact that um, you know, as often happens, the Phantom gets thrown overboard and then has to battle sharks and stabs a shark. Again, it goes back to um, one of the, some of the earliest through covers. Um, you know, Phantom often finds himself underwater battling sharks and stabbing one to uh, get the others to eat it. So, it does um, this comic in the in the whole package as well? Yeah, there's another story. I think that the Turkish, I think, which we'll get to, but uh, yeah. Um, some of those, some of those recurring themes. All right. Anything else on this one? Nope. I'm ready to go to the next one. All right. So the next one is the Australian story, The King's Cross Connection, written by the late Jim Shepherd and illustrated by Keith Chatto. Um, and I'm guessing that we've all read this story before. Oh, about a million times. A million times. I remember, I think I've read it once. I won't say a million. <laughs> It's pro- it was probably I think it's only been published once before. So if you've read it a million times, that means that you've really enjoyed going back to that comic and reading it over and over. Yes, it's no, pretty much your fault if you've read it's this a few times. It's been published a few times. Is it? Yeah. Keep talking and I'll find out exactly how many times. <laughs> um, so for those who, who may not have read it before... Um, the Phantom comes back to Australia. It's kind of like a sequel to um, to the Black Fire, um, which was republished earlier this year, which is actually good on um, Free for doing that. So, um, yeah, it's a nice little follow-on from that from earlier in the year. Um, new characters. I don't think we've ever seen this Bluebeard character before, but the um, the Waluti tribe do do come back, um, and that's a nice touch. Um, and something that I um. I, I really like the artwork in this, and I might be one of the only people in Australia who don't doesn't really like Keith Chatto's work, but I really like this one. So I'm going to put it. Um, feel free to put the hate mail to come through, but I always feel like his characters have really big heads and really small, thin bodies. But, it's, it's, yeah, but, and the but in this case, it's um, it, they seem very much more um, in proportion to each other. And well, the, and the scenery is just fantastic. So um, yeah, as as I was reading this and getting along, get along, I thought, actually, I, I really like his artwork, and, and I used to not. So um, yeah, this is probably my favourite out of all of the um, Chief Chatio's work. Um, out of the three that he's done, this is probably my favourite. Now. I was correct. This has been published twice before, uh, once in 1992 and once in 1999. Okay. So you may have read it twice then. <laughs> no, it was 1999, so I probably didn't open that annual. Okay. 
but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, a bit disappointed we didn't get to see uh, Qantas, but we had to put yeah, up yeah, Cafe Pacific. Pacific instead. Yeah, I, I did notice that. Um, was Jim was Jim looking for um, cheap flights on Cathay Pacific because it, <laughs> it was mentioned deliberately a few times? I thought. Yeah, I thought that. Like the big the big plane, and then actually the Phantom actually uh, names it towards the end as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe but I thought had shares. <laughs> I thought there were some interesting points, um, and this is mainly because of Australia's history. Um, like especially in the last 20 years, like so this predates this, um, the Port Arthur massacre um, by about four or five years. Mm. But it mentions um, I, I can't remember what page, but I, I wrote it down um, that the banning of guns and the, and the firearms and, and stuff like that. Um, and as we all know, that really came 96, 97 when the buyback came after after the mm. tragedy. Um, and of you know, I was only a young fellow back then, so I really didn't know what to do. Like. Um, he also mentioned something I don't know Sydney that well, um, but yeah, so something about Woolloomooloo being developed. Is it developed yet? I've got no idea. Um, any of you guys been to Sydney and been to Woolloomooloo, and has it been developed since the um, since 1992? Whatever they were saying there. No, I've never heard of it. No, I've 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 seen it on signs, but uh, I, I like you. I noted that as well, Stephen, and I think it's um, really obvious that Jim, as a Sydney sider, brought a lot of local knowledge and awareness to the comic, and and that and the um, like the gun laws that you've said, um, the distances are exactly right. He also um, still relevant today is devil can't come because of quarantine laws and all of the yeah. stuff that's happened with Johnny Depp over the last little while. Um, <laughs> It, it, it holds up 20 years later in terms of the issues are still the same and, and, and it's very much mm. clearly an Australian comic written by an Australian and I think that really stands out um, if you compare it to what we were talking about the other uh, one oh, of our previous fire. podcasts about Rodeo, Rodeo Gate and um, not getting the, the cricketers and, and that <laughs> sort of thing on. Everything is um, is very accurate in this one. So, mm. um, and, um, or yeah. even, um, what was it? It was the... Blackfire, the first time the Phantoms in Australia, where it was almost like a short walking distance, and they were sure. able to go from the desert to civilization and stuff like that. Yeah. Where, where this yeah, and this he makes a point of saying, "My God, this is a big country. This has taken me days to drive from from the top end back to Sydney." Yeah, truck truck is own every cent. That's that type of that's um, it. That type of thing. But um, it, when you mentioned yeah. about the, um, the quarantine laws and stuff. Um, yeah, I wrote down here, uh, the Phantom Sins have an encyclopedic knowledge of customs or, or quarantine laws. Um, and where was, there was a, a story, I think it was a couple of years ago now, Bigfoot. Where was that in the Bigfoot story where all of a sudden he has no idea that you can't bring flowers from another country into a different part of it? That's, that's my least favorite Phantom story and I went on record to that because it was just, not, there was some good points, but things like that just irked you. Yeah. No, I, I must say though, and I guess it's it really stood out to me because this story was right alongside a bunch of other stories from around the world. It struck me how busy this particular story was. Um, Keith Chaddo is very very detailed in his art. Oh, um, extremely detailed. And and together with that, Jim Shepard is quite wordy and uh, doesn't leave anything unsaid. Um, I don't think 
Phantom is a man of few words would be an old jungle saying in Jim Shepard's universe. He <laughs> he explains <Yes>. everything <laughs> yes. uh, to the nth degree, and there's some quite long conversations that go on between characters here. So between yeah. it, it, it's quite a um, there's a lot of depth and a lot of busyness to to this story. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. I also it was interesting that this this uh, Phantom is a very very wealthy phantom has no problem tipping um taxi drivers double and and what a massive tip and all the rest of it and then he just buys a boat um for for uh, the doctor at the end and um <laughs> he's very good very deep pockets for someone who wears his underpants on the outside <laughs> yeah well, have you seen his major treasure room <laughs> it's, or his minor treasure room <laughs> it's it's going to be depleted very very quickly the way he's going the jungle chiefs are going to need to keep bringing pots of gold <laughs> uh, he's uh oh, i love the idea of uh of the good mark boat being parked outside my sydney apartment with a view of the harbour but um yeah he's very generous there's no doubt about that <laughs> but he's also very you know quite ruthless you know the, the torture that he put those um bad guys under yeah I'm going to leave you out in the sun and you're going to be standing on your tiptoes. And you see if you're going to talk to me or not. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was particularly um, ruthless, as you say. Although he cut them down on the promise that they would talk, not not waiting to see if they actually said yeah. anything before he cut them down. He's still a nice guy. That's right. Uh, anything else? Good old Hawk, he gets a um, cameo in there. Yeah, I think I was more surprised that he didn't have a can of beer in his, in his hand. Yeah, he didn't offer him one or a yard glass. That that did seem a little bit complicated and, and unnecessarily complicated in terms of, oh, here's a package, don't open it until I get on the plane. Then he says later, oh, I wish I could have seen his face when he opened the package, but there didn't seem to be any real reason why there should be that history around <laughs> it. But anyway, I mean, it's a, it, a good excuse to get Hawkey in a few panels. So, Anything else on that one? No. Ah, good to see Australia represented. Absolutely. And, yeah, and quite a good story. Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Keith. Hmm. Okay, the next story, so that was the King's Cross Connection. Uh, the Talking Tree from Italy, I believe. Is that right? Sparta, so, yeah, Italy, France. Hmm? Yep. Um, 1966. Yeah, so um, I was going to say, I'll write down, met a bit weird. Yeah, probably the weakest story. Hmm. I, think. Um, I, I agree with what you said there about this story in terms of um, a bit weird and a bit weak. Um, it's if this was if this was the quality of Italian story we were going to get from all of the Spartas, then you'd probably say don't bother. Um, we could be without it, Greyhounds. Yeah, and maybe it's the Italian to English is hard to translate or to, to get right. It seems very very blunt. Each of the each of the statements is is very. Um, you know, it, or the dialogue moves very in a very clunky sort of a way. Um, yeah, and even just the, the overall plot is um, it's very yeah, a bit odd. Mm. It, like you said, very blunt. It makes you think that um, well, this victim guy, um, what's his name? Bled. No, not Bled. The other guy. The the guy actually comes to the phantom. Oh, Finn. Finn no, he's the son. He's Finn's old man. Uh, oh, Papa. He's recovering yeah, near... Well, the bloke is recovering. Uh, Furson. Um, it just makes you... Fearson. Furson. Furson, yeah. Um, My name is Furson. He's a lumberjack from Decode de Gras. 
Yeah. So, and like you say, very blunt. It makes you think that he's a bad guy and it makes you think that there's something dodgy going on. And you kind of get that feeling when he goes to the, to your lumberjacks. And yeah, it's just really that blunt, the bluntness of speech. Um, and I don't know, maybe the way they're, they're drawn as well, but they kind of look a bit rough. And so you get that stereotypical roughneck type thing. Yeah. Um, can these guys be trusted? And, um, I'm not spoiling it for anyone, um, but the the way that well where where Finn is and the reason why he's gotten there is kind of a bit weird, but um, um yeah not completely out of the question, but um but yeah like I said the story's yeah a bit meh a bit weird and yeah it just yeah. seems like there's panels missing from it in places or pages have been missing like. The plot seems very, very jumpy. It's called The Talking Tree, and that is sort of a very... You only, you only see The Talking Tree that, you know, two panels and it doesn't really talk. No, it just sort of makes an EE sound sort of thing. and Yeah. It's it's hardly the central point of the story. It's just, um, why was he even tied in there? Like, uh, the father, the godfather wants a son who's already... So he steals this other guy's son. Just a... Yeah, just an well, odd one. The, well, he's got psychological issues, of course, but, um, yeah, it was just a weird, yeah, bled. Yeah, he's got some psychological issues and, yeah, it was just a bit too weird, I think. Yeah, I reckon let's just move on. There's more exciting things to be discussing than that story. Okay, so we move on. We move on to Yugoslavia and Zygomar meets the Phantom, or Zygomar versus the Phantom, I think it said at the start. But, in, but now it says Zygomar meets the Phantom. And for me, this seems like to be, um, we seem to be tuning into a story that's already happening, if you, if you get my drift. Yes, yeah. very much. Mm. It took, it took me a page or two to try and work out what was going on and, yeah, uh, yeah, who are, who are these characters who are clearly, um, the main point of the story who, who we've never met before. So you've got to try and work out who they are and all the rest of it. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I think I wrote, read two or three pages and went back to the start and read the little, you know, intro box there. But who's getting kidnapped? Who, who's gone? And, um, what's Diana doing? Yeah, so there's a bit missing, which you gotta try and fill in the blanks a little bit. But, um, I love it how these guys become mates, you know, let's, let's thump each other on the neck, oh, you know, on the, on the chin. Oh, you got, you can stand up. Bang. I'll thump you. Oh, you can stand up to that too. Hey, let's be mates. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> okay. I actually, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> oh, the story, I, I really like. Yeah, yeah. As, as the story continued, I really got into it, and I want to see the whole thing. I want to read what happened before and what happened after. I want to. I, I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Would you Would you say that this is probably one of the better stories of the of the special of the comic? Um, I'd say yes. I. I, I well, my little notes here, it said, excellent adventure, um, like another Sunday. Um, yeah. With another one. Each page is a, is another adventure in itself. And like, it was, well, I think that's how it was originally intended. Mm, well, well, it definitely reads that way and, and, and I like it. Um, yeah, it took a bit to figure out the start, but the story seems to, yeah, the story seems to have already started when we tune in. Um, but a bit too much carefree death, I, I thought, for lack of a better word. On page 152, Oh, there's spelling typos on 152, 153. Um, 
you know, the, the, the guy who falls down the ravine, you know, nothing much is done with that. And, you know, the guy who, who gets burnt, um, you know, nothing much is, you know, just, yeah, carefree death. Whereas, mm. usually the, the phantom seems a bit more concerned than, than what it seems to be here. And, um, granted that this is probably coming in a, a Zigomar comic, so I don't mind phantom getting second billing, but, um, yeah, it was, it was hard to balance the, the two main characters, I suppose, and the author's done a, a, a pretty good job to, to try and give them both equal billing. So I thought think the that, art's very good thing, as well. Oh, the art is great. Yeah, mm. I think the art's fantastic. It, it, really, it, it, it really harkens back to the to the early Phantom years. That, you know, I think this was back in the 1930s, actually, this story, wasn't it? 39, yeah, 39, yeah. Yeah. So it really has that feel about it in the art there. Mm. Uh, well, I'm going to have to be the uh, uh, the point of difference on this one, I think. I, I didn't particularly enjoy this story at all. Um, in fact, about halfway through, I found myself flicking ahead to see how many more pages of this I had to read <laughs> to, to get through it. Um uh, maybe part of that was because of the anticipation. This was the last one that I read when I went through the stories, and I almost was saving it to last because of all of the, um, you know, the the hype and the bubble around it on online was uh, Zigamar, 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 and um, so maybe I was let down by my own um, anticipation of it. But there were just uh, it's as you said, it started in terms of being difficult to get into and find out what part of the story we we're up to, and there was just I found so many plot holes and and it just jumps in the story. Like Lola North, who we don't know, and fair enough, we've come in halfway through the story. She um, is quite important for a little while and then just completely disappears and nothing is said about her again. Um, the Baron, who from a Phantom point of view is a massively important part of, of Phantom history, is burnt, at, like you say, burnt at the stake by these two bandits, and the Phantom doesn't even mention it, and, 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 you, and you've said that. Um, that seems like a really important thing. Um, the two characters, Zygmar and, and the Phantom, to mine, are the, they're reasonably pathetic characters, the way that they come out. Like, you look at the, the sequence of events that they're involved in. The first time they see each other, they thump each other, which is pretty mindless. They turn out to be friends, that's fine. Uh, then they go on... And um, they're they're taken in by Lola. They're very gullible. They fall off a log. They fall down a ravine and decide, oh, we're going to climb back back up the ravine. And it's only when Chi Jang says, no, you idiots, we'll just walk out of the ravine. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, They're captured very easily, time after time. The Phantom in particular comes across as being quite useless. He drops his knife. They're both hypnotised very easily. They don't they don't actually do anything heroic. They don't find the girls. They don't. Nothing happens. They don't do anything. It is, in fact, um, Chi Jang and Devil are far more heroic in this story than <laughs> than either of those two guys. So, I don't know. I, I came away from this going, well, if this was the first story I read of Zygmar, and it is, um, or The Phantom, I don't know that I'd follow up and read another one. Um, and and maybe that maybe that's because I'm reading it 80 years after it was written, and I and I, I don't know. Just I didn't enjoy it. I, I, yeah, the, the yeah. art was good. I really liked the artwork, but beyond that, so you, you touch on that. Um, so is it definitely a, a product of its time? Like you're saying, you know, they've fallen into the ravine, or they've been hypnotised, or they've been someone's hit, or 
um, something silly has happened. Is that kind of like the, um, the old cliffhanger from your uh, serials? So trying to get out mm. that type of feel. But instead of um, you know how they're going to get out of this, they just come out as looking clumsy and, and like a douche. Yeah, perhaps. But the the 1930s and 40s fandoms, I Lee Fork stuff, I really quite like. Like the Sing, um, the Sing Brotherhood has got a um, a fight between the Phantom and a Sing pirate on a gangplank over the top of sh- a shark tank. Yeah, and I, I that's really exciting yeah. and thrilling. These two guys fighting a cro- a, a, on top of some crocodiles. Um, you know, they, they can't even fight properly. They run in and, and bloody clash heads. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just... <laughs> uh, I, I, as I say, I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm i not a Yugoslav. I didn't get it. Jermaine, you've been quiet. You still um, with us there? Yeah, no, I'm still with you. Like, I think it's definitely... I think when we read all these stories, I think we have to take them into context of the time. Um, like it's even with the talking tree, which you know I was pretty vocal about, which I think we all were. We, you know, we have to kind of when we read them, we have to remember. Okay, that was from the 1960s. This Zigomar, you know, it was from you know 1939, which is 40, so what's that, 70 odd years ago. You know, if we thought that waiting um, 20, 30 years to get Heart of Darkness in English was a long wait, imagine the people that had to wait to to get Zigomar in English. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, like, I think it's to be expected that there's going to be some um, plot holes and stuff in, you know, in comics that are fairly old. Like, I'm sure if we looked at it closely, we would probably find some in uh, Lee Fork stuff as well. Maybe not as much, but, you know, Lee Fork was, he was a legend of his time. And we're probably not going to see another Lee Fork ever either. Mm. Oh, and look, I thought this was really well placed in terms of inserting the Phantom um, mm. in the middle of, you know, the stories that had been produced at the time. It, it was really cleverly done in terms of, oh, I've just done this and I'm chasing a sing pirate and um, looking for Diana. And, and you could probably almost exactly identify where this, where this fits into Phantom history. But uh, as I say, I just... The the two characters, and particularly the Phantom, hmm, they're not they're not hero they're not superheroes. They don't what do they what do they achieve? What do they do? They're constantly captured. They're just going from one thing to the next. Yeah, but Batman in the sixties was constantly captured, and then you know he had to wait for a week or a day in the next day or something to figure out how he's going to get out of it. Yeah, but he'd get himself out, not wait for um, <laughs> Devil and, and Chi Jang to come and get him, or someone lets him go, or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I don't, yeah, but obviously, you know, obviously it didn't succeed too much because not many, you know, not many times it's not published much outside of back back in the day. Um, but I'm, I'm glad. I think with stories like this, it's better that it was published in an annual special than on its standalone. Mm. Yeah, you're right there. Oh, yeah. Anything else on that one? Nope. Good. Okay, so moving on to Breaking the Circle. I believe this one's from Turkey, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so Breaking the Circle um, from Turkey. Um, in... <laughs> 
interesting. Um, so it starts off as a normal day, and then second panel in, just at that moment, come back here, you slave. Stop chasing me, Olamo. Um, and then Rex asks Phantom, well, you know, what's a slave? Then he goes into this big story about his forefather rescuing a slave. What the heck happened to this one? I thought story- it was very cute that Rex doesn't know what a slave is. Yeah, but then you look at the fandom there and he's smiling. Oh, it was a... Ah, smiled, slavery! <laughs> it was a word used long ago during a time of turmoil. So, why are you saying that with a big smile on your face there, dude? And um, and then nothing happens to... He doesn't do anything with this slave here. You know, he's just... Um, I'm trying to get quick to the end. I thought, like, oh, it wasn't that just a bit of... Um, I thought this one was just a bit of domestic uh, unhappiness. Um, uh, was my That was my assumption. Okay, it's, so. it's very typical of the stories from that era. I think this was the 80s where you would have Rex and Tom and they would come along something and then it was almost like the way to introduce chronological stories where they'd come across something or something would happen and then the fans would use that as an avenue to tell them a story which would then teach them about something like that. Ah. So it's it's very typical of Egmont stories in the seventies and the eighties. Um, some of the panel, some of the artwork's really good, and then some of it's pretty average. Mm. 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 So uh, I don't want to hack on the point, but you reckon it's um, the bloke's wife calling him, calling her husband the slave, saying, "Stop being." Oh, oh, that that was my take on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fair. Enough. So, what did you guys think about the um, apparent censorship of the story? Like, if we look at um, 165, you've got the the slave girl, and it looks like it's there's been a dress crudely drawn over the top of her. That's, that's what I um, thought. And, is that, and then that follows on throughout the story. Is that what you think? Yeah, and then 168 and 169. Where, um, where it's actually the phantom that rescues uh, the girl, so I wonder if Dan's got a problem with that, like he did in the other story, where it was the little child that rescued the phantom. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, what did you guys think about the apparent censorship? Oh, it, if, if, yeah, I agree, it, it clearly is. Um, someone's, someone's gone back. She, she must have spent the entire story nude. By the looks of this, um, the mm. way that uh, the the original art, she must have been nude the entire time because um, the the lines of here's the hemline, here's the, the sleeves, here's the the neckline that that seems to have been um, done with uh, a sharpie or a nico um, years later. Uh, it's it's interesting. I wonder, do you reckon that this has been done by Fru for this publication, or or was this the artwork that they received? I've actually got the answer to that. Uh, is ah, the artwork- brilliant. It's the artwork they've received. Um, so someone actually provide. I don't know the exact in and out details, um, but for those who are curious, um, I was actually under the impression that Free censored it. Um, but then I got hold of someone who's got this comic in Turkish or has scanned what it looked like, and it's actually got the same censorship mark. So if it was censored, it would have been done after the artist gave it to the publisher. So it would have been the original Turkish publishers that censored it, if it has been censored, which I think we all kind of agree that it does kind of look like it has been. 
Yeah, if it yeah. if it hasn't been censored, then the artist is hopeless at drawing women's clothes. Yeah, maybe he started drawing a nude and then thought, oh, maybe a better drawer with some clothes on. Mm. Yeah, no, that was um, yeah, and and it was just right throughout the entire entire comic. It wasn't just because I think we've all seen through comics where you go, oh, well, that frame's probably been censored and that frame's been censored, but this is the um, almost every frame. Yeah. But um, what about the actual story? Yeah, I re- I really enjoyed the, the the story. Again, it's a fairly classic story. Um, a lot of common plot devices that we've seen in a lot of um, Lee Fork stories before. The shark stabbing, we mentioned that before. It happens again here. And um, Jermaine's right. This is um, um, Amara jumps overboard and, and saves the Phantom. Um, but then she he saves her back and all the rest of it, so I think it's okay. It, because he does something. He does something. In the Yugoslav story, he did nothing. So um, I'm happy enough with that. So um, on 175, he crashes through a door, and that's a very familiar um, a very familiar image again. So that harkens, I'm sure that there's been through um, covers that are like that. I've, mm-hmm. I think I've even seen blokes with tattoos. Um, of that of that image of him crashing through a door, so um, I guess that bit of bit of familiarity. Um, again, again, I, I mentioned it before. It's a, it, there are a lot of global themes and things that reoccur across different stories, um, which, which speak to the character being um, uh, the, true to the character, but 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 going global. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I enjoyed the story as well. Um, for it, it won, and yeah, every point that Dan's just said. Um, it's a traditional, you know, the story with uh, the Phantom battling pirates um, who have taken on the slaves, and so they're releasing the slaves. He's and he's thumping the pirates, leaving skull marks on jewels. It's the stuff you want to you want to see. And he, he's not doing it easily. He's been he's copped a um, a knife to the to the shoulder, so, and he's still um, thumping them around. So it just shows that immense strength and. Um, you know, he's human. He's got that stupid, superhuman ability to um, to keep on going. And then, yeah, crashes through the door, get the slaves free, and um, they're not happy. Mm. Yeah, and just the, the, the pirates when they turn and look at each other and go, "But we killed him. How's he back?" You know, that's yeah. Yeah. that's the man who cannot die. So, yeah. so with all of these stories that are very heavily influenced with uh, forkisms, does it kind of um, sway you even more? But you don't mind, there's no fork story? Got a few more stories to get through, I'll address that when we finish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure yet, I'm not sure yet. Okay, our next story is from Germany, The Treasure of Green Hell, um, which starts off in black and white and then goes into a more familiar red of Germany. Uh, and this, this is again a, an indication for me that the publisher... Um, or the printer in the binding has had something to do with where the colour starts and stops. Yeah, rather than starting at the start of the story, they've gone the next Yeah, mm. well, yeah you might be right. What do you think of the red? Well, it is what it is. It's what Germany did. So I'm, I'm glad that they um, they, they printed it in the um, we'll say in, in the traditional form of German, you know, of a German fandom comic. Is it jarring for you going from like black and white to red? No, I kind of expected it. So. I, I quite liked the red after after only a page or two you get used to it and you go oh well used to black and white red and white's not that much different hmm. so I wonder if in the original the first page was in black and white or whether it was in red and white as well 
I wouldn't have thought it would be in black and white. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting. I, to be honest, I was a little bit, a little bit um, thrown back with the third panel where it says you are in Mandrill territory, move on, and it says you don't say a black comedian. A mm. um, little bit thrown back about that, like obviously the grammar's a little bit incorrect, but like you know, there's those racist overtones that were included in it and. Yeah, that was that was pretty blunt. Um, Mid nineteen seventies in Germany. Look, I, I I was okay with that in the sense that um, it, it quickly establishes who's the bad guy. Um, yeah, true, true. You know, he's obviously a roughneck. He's racist. You know that the Phantom's going to come and give him a thumping at some point. Um, right from there. Yeah. So, what about the artwork? You guys working about the artwork? Yeah, I thought the artwork was fine. I'm just flicking through it now. Um, yeah. It's very similar as the Sparta stories that we've seen so far. Very clean, minimalist background. I guess it's very similar as what you would see with um, Wilson McCoy in a sense. The, the panels are a bit smaller than, than what we've seen in the Sparta. But yeah. um, <clears throat> if they weren't coloured with the red, then, yeah, you'd definitely see the, um, the, the similarities to Sparta, I reckon. I was just going to say, then you get some really detailed panels, like on page 189, when he's saying goodbye and stuff like that. Yeah. I really liked the artwork in this one, I, and, and I noted that when I read it, that um, it's really clear, really clear. It's it's not, I know that uh, the, the panel you're talking about is very detailed, but it's certainly not as um, as busy and as detailed as the, the Keith Chatto one, for instance. Um, mm. I like the depiction of the Phantom. He's... Um, Again, nice, nice, clean lines. Just um, really well, really well drawn. I thought. Yeah. And the story um, was decent. Well, I sorry, was, I thought the story was decent. Yeah, so did I. I liked the story. Uh, the, my only quibble with the story is um, I, I thought that the last two or three pages were a bit unnecessary. I don't know why he had to go back and um, have a fight with a warrior. Like the 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 plot was done, and then that that you know, let's throw in a little bit of a jungle tawny. At the end of it, um, I didn't know that there was any need for that. Um, and again, I guess that's a, a note I'd make on the draft if this was submitted as an English assignment. But, um, yeah, uh, the story as a whole, really well done. And I like the little bit at the end, the um, coming in the next exciting adventure. So they've even gone out and translated it coming up next week or next fortnight. Mm. Um, so I thought I liked that. Mm. Nice little touch. I wonder if people are actually going to think that's the story that's coming out in 14 days. <laughs> I'll, I'll certainly be going to my local newsstand to look for it. I'll be asking <laughs> the, the retailer. Where, come, I'll show them this comic. Come on, 14 days. <laughs> but is that 14 days when it was originally published or when it was actually released? Oh, God only knows. <laughs> okay, anything else on that one? Nope. Oh, yeah. Uh, good, solid story. Yeah. Good. Hope to see more stuff from uh, Germany. or And if we do, would you like to see it in the, the uh, red and white, or would you prefer to go back to the black and white? Red and white. Red yeah, and white I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it in the red and white. I think, though, that um, whoever... And, and, and I know that um, right at the very beginning that um, Dudley thanked... Angus Wang, or Agnes, Agnes, sorry, 
for translations and those sorts of things. Um, I found this story particularly clunky in terms of the translations, uh, almost as bad, or I'd put it in the same basket as the Italian one. Um, so whether that little pocket of Europe has a difficult English to, uh, sorry, local language to English translation, I'm not sure. But uh, again, it was very blunt and clunky, I thought, uh, the movement of dialogue and that sort of thing. Very obviously a, um, a non-English story. Yeah. Fair point. Thank you, Dave. Um, so we'll move on now to, uh, to Deadly Cargo, um, which is, is this one from Norway? Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Norway. Norway from 1989. Um, and right off the bat, I'm going to say that I love the, the, the artwork in this. I really enjoy these. I'm guessing these are watercolors from, I'm an art student. But to me, that's what it looks like. And um, I really enjoy the art in this one. Mm, that's a great job. I, the only problem I have with it is that I enjoyed the art so much that I almost wasn't reading the story. I was just looking <laughs> at the pictures. Um, yeah, yeah. I kind of had to go back over and go, okay, hang on. Now I'm going to actually read the story because it's such an interesting take on the Phantom that... Um, I was really impressed with the with the um uh the outcome. I was actually I was looking at the art. How would this would work in a um in a black and white scenario? And um, uh, it it, it would not think it would have. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. No, I'm I'm so pleased that they made the decision to include this as the color story from Norway. Like, um, Andrea said in his um summary at the start that this was every page was was painted not drawn and you can tell it's mm. uh, it's it's just beautiful the artwork in this is just and and would not work in color uh, sorry it would not work if it was not in color um just fantastic and and you said at the start that this was originally a blue phantom and they've had to recolor this yeah well, from scandinavia yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say so well that that is unreal then because um you can't tell in this one. It, it, this has just been so well done. Maybe on page 192, that, that's being picky. Yeah, I think probably the one area where it has been missed is probably 204, the reflection of the um, desk. Um, just looking at page 204, the reflection. Oh, that's still purple. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's we're being very picky. I, I think it's a great, great, it's a great, it's something different which we don't get to see very often. Um, I know Moonstone tried to do some different elements with like actual photography that they've drawn over and with some of their stories. I think it was um, The Man Eater or something, but I think this was probably a better outcome than, than that one. I'd agree with that. Mm. It's a great outcome. And I think that it, it helped too that the story was really solid behind the artwork as well, once you go back and actually read the story as well. Like, the secondary characters uh, are quite strong, and um, I I just really enjoyed the plot of this as well. Um, Moved along really, really um, with a good pace, and um, a a, a villain that you just want to see punched in the face, and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it worked really, really well. It it helps when they have that type of villain. Yeah. Massive scar that's going across there. Yeah. And, re- and really, this story is um, part one of a, of a two-parter. Like, granted, the second part comes um, 
20 years later or something. Mm. But, um, and then, and then that's something a different way in the landscape. Like this obviously is done by computer or something like that. It's got the, got the hand painted job as we had in the first one. Um, it, it's a nice little, um, and I'll, I'll say little because it's only a few pages long. A nice little sequel to that, to that main adventure. Yeah, it's good to have it closed off. Yeah. Anything else? I, I enjoyed this little bit, but I found it a bit anticlimactic after how good the first part was. It was all just very sudden, and the bad guy got his comeuppance uh, very, very quickly. And I, you know, I guess that's the nature of um, the way that it was commissioned, and it was for a political uh, campaign or something, I think I read. But um, it was a bit disappointing after how good part one was. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, well, part one was definitely meant to be in you know, a comic, whereas this one, yeah, like you said, it's part of some political um, yeah. uh, publication or report. Um, but it was nice to, to touch back at those characters and have that little adventure. You know, I'm sure political reports aren't, aren't the most um, interesting things to read. I'm guessing they're fairly dry. So um, mm. having the Phantom in there doing a little um, environmental adventure be a nice little addition uh, mm. to that context, um, with, but within our context here, to, to um, round off a 212-page um, anniversary edition, maybe not the best. You know, mm. Maybe you could have just cut off with um, on page 204 with what you've got, but um, that's getting hairs, you know. But, yeah. yeah. What do you reckon, Jermaine? You there? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with pretty much all of that. I'm happy okay. to move on. <laughs> Yep. So, well, we're done. Well, on the last page, they've got a um, advertisement for the for the gallery edition print of, from Bradford Exchange. But um, I think we've already spoken about that in a earlier podcast. Yeah. I just so, um, I I hope there's no one out there who's actually cutting out that coupon to mail into Bradford Exchange. <laughs> yeah, good on you if you're doing that. <laughs> um. So, well, and so with it, yeah, within a little package, like we've had our, our, our 212 pages of Phantom, but when I opened up the, the bag to get it out, out dropped a little Phantom Gallery Series 2 promo card. Um, the new 110 card trading card series coming this Christmas, with a, um, an image from Nolan, um, emblazoned on the front, and a little story about why that, that image is the one being used there, Jermaine. Um, yeah, the image has been. Uh, I believe it's the one. I could be correct. I could be wrong, but from memory, it was uh, donated by Graham Nolan at the last Leafort Memorial Bengalas Explorers Club dinner. Um, so yeah, it's a nice little touch there. It's um, it's probably not Graham Nolan's best work, but I think overall it's good to see the card, and um, I think we. Um, I don't want to, we won't go too much into it, but I think it, I think it's great to see it, and um, yeah, look forward to discussing it more in the next podcast. Very good. So we won't talk about the bloom on the back. If you haven't got the the comic, go out and get it and read it for yourself, and we'll be discuss, discussing it more on our next podcast. What do you reckon, fellas? Yeah, yeah, that's more of a. I, I almost see that as an ad for the the trading cards that are to come. So it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, looking forward to that. Yep. Um, and also within our package, we have the Decade by Decade um, Anniversary Extra, written by uh, founder historian Barry Stubbers- Stubbersfield. Um, so I'm going to let you guys 
go at it on this one because I haven't had a chance to read this yet. Um, but yeah, it's called The Phantom 80 Years Young. Um, so who'd like to start off on this? Well, before we start, like in our pre-conversation, it seems that, um, that, uh, Dan's very much on the affirmative and, uh, Jermaine seems to be on the negative. So <laughs> we'll go, we'll go for the affirmative first. So, um, Dan, would you like, um, first crack at it? Sure. Um, I really liked this little lift out and it's something that I think I'm going to, I'm glad I've got a reading copy because I think this is going to be very well thumbed through over the coming years. Um, it's only, it's only very short. It reminds, it's, well, it's only very short. Um, I'm not going to use my English teacher hat to guesstimate how many words are in this, but there's 18 pages. And um, to me, this is a, a summary of Stubbersfield's um, life's work, in a sense, or life's hobby, anyway, um, of just uh, recording when what happens on what date in the newspaper strip. And it's and it's very much and unashamedly devoted to the newspaper strip, and um, and that's probably. Right, I think you've, you've got to have a, uh, a canon, and um, for Barry and for me, I suppose that the new trip is it because that was leaving and there's followed on from there. I really like the way that it's um, broken down decade by decade, um, even though the first decade of the 30s is only um, you know four, four years old. Um, there's only four years of the Phantom in the 1930s. Um, he, he goes through very well the, the establishment of the character and the stories that appeared there. I like that on every page um, it says here are the artists that were the primary artists at the time and after Lee Fork's death it talks about who was the primary author for that decade. Um, it breaks down um, who, who, what was happening with romance in that decade and also uh, what was happening with villains and, or battling crime is how it's phrased. Um, so you get that sense. He goes through and he identifies, um, so for instance, I'm looking at the 1940s now, and he identifies the first old native saying, which became old jungle sayings later on. Um, so in 1946, that was the first time we had an old jungle saying, um, and, and here's the one it was. He identifies which characters burst onto the scene or became part of the Phantom Universe at what time and on what date right throughout. Um, and, and there's some really fascinating stuff here in terms of the 1970s in particular, for instance, seemed to be a real flurry. And I sort of had a crack at Lee Fork earlier about his, um, you know, hippie period or whatever in the 70s where he came up with some weird stuff. But um, he also came up with some, some things that would become integral parts of the Phantom universe going forward um, in terms of, uh, the map of Bengali, the Tarangi tribe, the piece of the Golden Ox, Mawitan, the first map of the Phantom Country, the Golden Wood, his and hers, and all of that sort of, you know, it goes on and on and on. Um, and just the amount of work that Stubbersfield has, has done in over, over many, 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 many years, and then has been able to summarise that for us. And he has made no differentiation other than a tip of the hat to say that in 1999, um, Lee Fork died. And from that point on, they're created by different artists, uh, authors. Um, he treats the whole um, newspaper strip in, in the same vein. And in, this is almost a completely definitive, you know, short of having an index where you could point you to the page and the column, I don't know that you could want a, a better um, reference in terms of what happened when and which characters appeared when and that sort of thing. Oh, I loved this. This is brilliant. 
Very good. Um, Jermaine, your wild reply? Oh, man, I'm going to feel like a jerk with what the problems <laughs> that I have with it. Um, <laughs> the and, problem... and that's opposed to any other time? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the problem I have with it is this is the 80th anniversary of The Phantom. The The Phantom is not just a newspaper hero. As we've seen with this anniversary special with stories from around the world, The Phantom is a worldwide phenomenon. It's a worldwide character. The newspaper stories is, is really just, you know, a fraction of the stuff. And to me, it feels like almost an afterthought to keep the focus happy by having this because they thought they were going to be upset with no Lee Fork stories. Now, I'm not going to have a go at the research because I, I will admit, uh, even though me and Barry have a difference of opinion on uh, the daily and Sunday mix-up stories in the 40s, um, I will admit there's some amazing research done into it. Um, but again, the main problem I have with it is that it's only focused on the newspaper stories. Now, I understand the whole canon argument and, you know, we've had that discussion before, but not to have any reference to the fact that there is, um, you know, like, you know, like, for instance, in the 30s, it could have been made mention that, you know, the Phantom was published in this country, in that country, or this country. It, it just, it's, it, it, um, what's the word? It smacks of a bit of arrogance compared thinking that the newspaper stories is the only thing that existed and everything else doesn't matter. That's the kind of, and I'm, that's not saying that Barry Stubberfield has that opinion. I'm sure he is a forecast, but it just, it, to me, it doesn't really celebrate, this whole lift out does not really celebrate the 80th anniversary of The Phantom. It's more of just The Phantom in the newspaper strip, so it almost feels like it should have appeared somewhere else. Whereabouts would you appear make it? Well, to be honest, I'm not really sure why we actually... One, I'm not sure why we had actually had to have a, an extra, you know, little comic thing. I'm not sure if that's because of the page numbers or, or not, but I wonder if it would have been you know, better if it was actually in the actual comic. Um, you know, um, that's probably my first thing. Um, would have it maybe how he, you know, how his, how it's been separated with the romance, the battling crime kind of subpoints. If it had maybe another subpoint of, you know, the Phantom around the world and then it kind of listed or noted, you know, in... 1938, The Phantom was published in through publications. In 1939, it was published in Yugoslavia. In 1942, it was published in this country and in that country. You know, just like a bit of a, a a subtle hint. So in that way, it kind of gives, yeah, it focuses on the newspaper stories, but it kind of tips the hat to The Phantom being a worldwide character rather than just a newspaper stripped, which he isn't. He's more than just a newspaper character. Well, that information would be available from King Feature Studios um, Syndicate, you would think. Um, well, it's on the Phantom Wiki anyway. 
Well, there you go. So, uh, oh, look, I take your point to a, to an extent, but um, maybe we need to look at this as the yin and the yang because I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm in terms of the big 212-page white comic, um, a bit disappointed that, you know, how hard would it be to, you've got eight countries, make one of them America and have a Lee Fork story. Um, it, it seems crazy in a sense that you've got a tribute issue to this character and you haven't included a story from the person who came up with the character. And yeah. so if the criticism then is that the uh, the flimsy <laughs> soft cover 20-page thing that comes with it in the bag is too much uh, on the Lee Fork universe and the, and the newspaper universe, well, well, maybe so it should be to, to counterbalance um, yeah. the, the fact that he's almost ignored in the other comic. Um, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I think, in in my opinion, and I'm I'm a you know we've had this discussion. I'm a postmodernist. I'm proud of it. Um, I myself was surprised there wasn't a fork story in there. I understand the reasoning behind it, and um, I'm not sure if it cut out before, but it almost feels like this Barry Stubbersfield uh, extra research was like you said the yin and the yang. It was kind of thrown in there to almost keep the forkers happy. Um, mm. Where I think it would have been better if maybe they didn't publish one of the stories, you know, they could have gotten rid of the the, the Italian one. We mm. all kind of agreed. We all kind of agreed that wasn't the best story there. So, you know, if that mm. included a fork story and then this was maybe at the end, um, I think it would have been a lot better overall, along with the little added notes of when the Phantom was published around the world and mm. would have given it, in my opinion, and I'm sure there was a reason why they've done it like this. Um, they wouldn't, you know, they obviously their publishers, they've been at it a lot longer than what we have. Um, but, yeah, that's how I would have probably approached it if I had an opinion or if I had a say in it. Mm. Mm. So yeah, we actually I... agree on it. We actually agree on something. Well, I, I I'm glad that it was included in the bag, and I think you said, oh, well, why is it why is it not that, why has it been included um, as a separate thing? And maybe it could have been in in the comic, as you've said. But um, if if the decade by decade lift out had not been included with the 80th anniversary special, um, I'd be really disappointed. And it's not just Lee Falk. Um, it's it's Wilson McCoy and Ray Moore and Cy Barry who deserve to be represented in uh, an 80th celebration. Those three artists, you know, without them, for them not to be represented in the comic, uh, I, I, I take um, Dudley's point in the message from the publisher about why. But, uh, we've got that Australian story, which is great to have Australia represented, um, you know, Aussie, 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 blah, blah, blah. But that, as you've pointed out, was has already been published in 92 and 99. So a reprint of a Lee Fork... Well, yeah, it would have been better to have a Lee Fork story than a, um, than the King's Cross. I, I agree with that one. So, I get, yeah, I guess we just keep them together. I'm going to read the um, Decade by Decade left out a lot more often than I'm going to go read um, Zygmar, for instance. So, <laughs> But I guess the good thing about about having it is that it does cater for the forkist and the modernist. Um, yeah, true, true. 
I, I, going back to what we said at the start um, about um, uh, the 80th anniversary special and going around different countries being a, a, a peek at what Phantom's world could be, um, there is a little bit of that where it smacks a bit of um, this is promotion for Phantom's world and here's what we're going to do. And so it's a look to the future, not so much a look to the past. I don't, I don't know um, whether that's... Uh, being a bit cynical and, and worrying about the commercialisation and, and trying to, to publicise Phantom's World. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think you're being a bit cynical. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I just... Uh, I wanted to read The Sing Brotherhood again. <laughs> oh, no, that's not true. I didn't want The Sing Brotherhood. But yeah, as I say, some Lee Fork story. Or a couple of panels. Jesus, oh, throw my bone. <laughs> You got a whole you got a whole twenty page lift out to keep your forkers happy. That's not a story though, you know. <laughs> okay, so overall, um, you know, we've had our first impressions at the beginning of the podcast. What are our considered opinions now? So we've gone over the excitement of opening it up and, and seeing everything and and being like giddy schoolgirls. Um, now that we've gone, we've read it and we've analysed it. What do we think of it? Um, Dan, would you like to go first? You go first, Jermaine. <laughs> All right. My opinion of it is um, it could have been better. Like we've discussed it with, you know, maybe the two things being together, having a fork story. But I think overall it hits the nail in the sense that it focuses on a worldwide phantom celebration rather than just a, a singular newspaper focus. Um, it, I think, I, I have to admit that I think the, the, the lift out is important because it caters for the focus and then you've got the modernness. So I think it, it's a hit regarding that. Um, it, you know, it, we've discussed how it could have been better with that as well. Um, I think the selection of the stories is good. I think majority of the stories, bar probably one or two, are probably not worth reading. Um, I think the artwork's good. Um, I must admit, I actually prefer the cover of the extra of the decade by decade than the actual front cover. Um, but I've, I probably overall, I'll probably give it a seven, maybe maybe close to an eight out of ten. Okay, so eight out of ten from Jermaine. Um, probably probably closer to a seven. Seven, okay. So seven and a quarter. Yeah, seven and a quarter, seven and a third. Seven point two five. Do you want to go, Dan, or I'll go? Yeah, no, I'll look. Overall, and and I'm I'm not going to gripe about how Lee Fork's been treated again because there has been has been the message from the publisher and and decade by decade, so that's that's good. And I think for me, I'm going to count this as a whole package, not just one or the other. And I think Jermaine did that Mm. as well. Um, Dudley admitted in his message that some of the story, the quality, some of the stories quality would vary. Um, and I think we've, we've seen, um, whether they could have picked a better, um, Italian story or whatever to go in it. Um, as a, as an entire package, I found it interesting to, to see how the fandom was treated in other countries around the world. And certainly it was a good opportunity to read those others. I've got to take into account the fact that the, um, the Swedish story, Nuclear Terror, um, 
you know, we would have seen that coming up anyway, so I don't know that that's a particularly special addition other than the fact that it's in colour. Um, so that that was a detraction for mine, and I don't know that if that if I was in charge that I would have picked a Swedish, even have picked a Swedish story to go in because we see the Swedish stories coming all the time. But uh, I'm probably, for all of that, and I know that I've been a bit nitpicky and, and, and critical the whole way through, I'm probably going to be a little bit more generous in my marking than, than Jermaine. Um, I'm going to go with a... I've just done a whole bunch of report cards, so I'm going to go with a school marking system instead, and I'd probably give this as, a, as an entire package... Um, an A minus um, because it's it's very very good. Isn't quite what I really 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 wanted in terms of trying to get it up to you know a Lee Fork story might have got it into the A plus um, or the A area for me, but the A minus because of the Italian story, because of the Swedish story. Um, if not for if Barry Stubbersfield's um, extra had not been included, it would have definitely been in the B's, a B or a B plus. But getting that in there. Um, it, it by itself, it probably is an A or an A plus, but then it's brought down by, <laughs> by the by the other one. So A minus overall for mine. Okay, well we don't have minuses in Detroit, so it's either going to be the A or A plus or B B plus that that type of thing. Um, re- reading in the, in the context of the for the message of the publisher and what they set out to do, I think they achieved what they set out to do with it. Yeah. Um, so give them points for that. Um, minor issues with translation and things like and. Mm. Yeah, Things might be even clunky, and that might just be the language that, that they use. Um, the, the translation was a lot better than other stuff that I've, that I've read. Um, you know, phrases and, and what have you seem to make sense um, in that sense that you'd, um, you'd speak that way, even if they were abrupt or whatever, like say in the, um, in the Italian or the German um, stories. Um, they, they seem to, even though they were abrupt, they were still in that type of conversation in English, which um, mm. has been a criticism of mine in, um, in, in other stories. Um, I can't say anything about the, the decade by decade because um, I just haven't had an opportunity to read it. So I'm just basing mine on the, um, on the actual comic. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a, a good solid A. Um, and that's funny for is- issues such as, you know, some, some of the translations will get off. Um, and, you know, a story or two, like, like we've said, you know, I'm in agreement. The Italian story was, wasn't a, a hugely strong story. Um, and you make a, a, a solid point there with the Scandinavian story. We're going to get that anyway. Would this, is this the, would have that been the best Scandinavian story to, to have, to be chosen as the first one to be put into colour? Um, would probably be the way I'd look at it. You know, what would be the best Scandinavian story to be the first one to put in colour? If you're going to have a Scandinavian story, that's that would be my thinking. Um, is not Norway's not part of Scandinavia, is it? It's, uh, it's part of the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. So that um that that painted story was just mind-blowingly beautiful. I I really enjoyed um just looking at it. And yeah, I open the open the comic now. And I'm just Sticking through those pages, you know, that, that's fantastic. And I'd love to get a, um, a page of that artwork. I can tell you now, if I can get that up <laughs> on my wall, I, I'd, I'd be a very, very happy fan. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a solid A. Well, the marks are pretty, um, the marks are pretty, uh, high. So I think, 
I think, you know, if anyone, I think for if they're still listening to this after two hours, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you'd have to be, and I haven't seen too many negative reviews or negative comments about it on Facebook. We've probably been the most scathing, uh, which we normally are, um, but I also think we're... That way. Yeah, but also... Yeah, think we're going through, and, and I felt that, I felt a bit guilty as I was going, going oh, am I being overly critical? But I think, you know, if we're going to record this and, and talk about what we've seen, um, you know, we've got, to, we've got to point out the things that are, are, are not as not as flash and all the rest of it. But, yeah, but, and then on the flip side, we've probably been the most praising of, of the comments that we've seen on Facebook as well. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, reckon, I reckon most fans are going to love this. Um, if they haven't already got it, and um, I know I'm sending about three or four overseas. Um, I'm sure there's a few other people that are sending it as well. So I reckon it's going to be probably one of the the most collectible comics for a long time. Is um, Joe getting this one sent overseas, or is he waiting until he come back? So he comes back over here before he reads it. No, I'm I'm sending him a copy to an Australian address, so I think he's gonna gonna see it when he gets back. Ah, oh, poor bloke. Cause, yeah, <laughs> it's quite, it's quite good. It, it, and when you compare it, especially for the 70th anniversary, it's more than a head shoulders above. It's, it's standing on its shoulders, you know. It's, yeah. It's, it blows, it blows it away. I reckon it's safe to say this is probably one of the two best, maybe easily one of the top five, and probably one of the top two best comics that Fru's ever produced, along with uh, the thousand issue. That was the first that's, annual. That's entirely fair to say, absolutely. And I, and I hadn't thought about it in a in a through history context like like you've just put it then. But um, the thousandth, I think, is going to be especially because it came out with the replica of number one, which is now almost indistinguishable from the actual number one. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I would agree with you there, Germ. I think that 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 thousandth episode will will be number one for a long, long time. Um, this is going to have this is in the in it's certainly on the podium. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, fellas. Well, I think we might wrap it up there. I think we've probably clocked over two hours. Thank we, we better <laughs> um I'll, I'll just put it again. Thank you very much for those people who've donated to our Patreon site who have allowed us to just sit here for two hours and talk about a comic. Um it means a lot to us. That's insane that can, when you put it like that, isn't it? Isn't it? When you just put it in those sort of words. But um, thank you very much. I, I'm, we are very happy that you've done it. And thank you to people who listen to us. You know, Otherwise, you know, we'd just be three blokes rambling on about you know, dude wearing purple tights. Which we do so, anyway during the week. But well, we do, I was thinking about this the other day. Apart from my immediate family, like my wife and my kids, and my people I work with, I talk with you guys more than I talk with anybody else. <laughs> I don't know what that's saying, but there. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's the 80th anniversary wrapped up, and we're all getting excited for our 50th anniversary. That's coming up in the time, so we're, we're busy planning that. Um, we're looking forward to getting that out to um, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Is, is, is we might even have a special guest out here. A special guest. I love special guests. Yeah, and if you are out there and you want to send in the soundbite of Collector's Corner, please do. But also, if you want to send out a soundbite congratulating us on reaching 50, 
or, or something along those lines, please send it through as well, and we will play it. Or well, criticising us for reaching 50 and saying stuff that we could have done better. <laughs> we don't <laughs> yeah, care. We'll, just, we'll, we'll put it all up there. Yeah, which is fair enough. We do that, so people can do it to us. Um, thanks again, and um, yeah, happy. If you haven't read it, go to your news agents and, and buy it now. Okay, you, you won't be disappointed. Have a good one. Uh, enjoy the special and um, long live the Phantom. Bye. Come true! <laughs>